You may be seated. You folks came ready to have church today. I love it. If you're here and you, you're like, you know, man, you, you're a guest and you showed up, you just, you just kind of want to check off a box and kind of want to just go to church and kind of see a bunch of boring people and listen to a boring person. I hope you know you've come to a place where there's a bunch of crazy people. <laughs> the Bible says we've become fools for Christ. And so hopefully we're not too foolish, but we do love God. We love God in this place, and we are glad you are here. Hey, I, I know you saw it earlier, but I just got to say, I know you just saw it, so you're probably not as fired up as I am, but I am fired up for the series that begins a week from today. Everybody say, love my city. We are going to run to God's word and let God teach us about what it means to be the people of God that have a heart for the city. We've never desired to be a church where it's kind of holy huddle us for no more. We've always been a church that has a passion for our city. Can I get an amen? And I should say cities because this is about all of our campuses, wherever we are planted, having a heart for the city. Hey, I'm going to show you a picture today. I'm going to show you a picture. And on the count of three, I'm going to show you the picture. And I want you to yell out if you know who the person is. Now, I'll go ahead and tell you it's an athlete. And I'll go ahead and tell you that I know I talk a lot about sports. Look at your neighbor and say, yes, he does. Yeah, it's a confession, I know. And you should know that most Sundays, I don't, I don't get up here thinking, how can I talk about sports? Most Sundays I get up here and I think, I need to not talk about sports. Because a lot of you could care less about sports. I'm sorry, it stinks to be you, but I know. Uh, no, just kidding. Um, so I, I'm only talking to myself. I'm like, because sometimes people, why didn't you mention this game? Why didn't you mention that game? What about this? What about that? And, mo and most Sundays, I'm like, dude, I'm just, I'm going, I'm going DL on the sports thing because I know I do it a lot. And so today, I'm showing you an athlete, but I'm actually not talking to you about sports as much as I want to talk to you about the person who just so happens to play sports. Ready? Let's see who, some of you won't know who this is, but others of you will. On the count of three, if you know it, tell it to me. One, two, three. Man, that was quick down front here. That was quick. Andrew Luck. And some of you are like, who's Andrew Luck? Andrew Luck, let me tell you about this guy. This guy um, was the first pick in the 2012 NFL. He was hired by the Indianapolis Colts, of which I am a big fan of the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Andrew Luck was to replace who I believe arguably was one of the best quarterbacks of all time, i.e. Peyton Manning. And Andrew Luck stepped in to replace him, and the Indianapolis Colts literally bet the farm on Andrew Luck. I mean, they, he, was, he was brought in as the franchise player. He was brought in as the one Peyton Manning had already moved on to the Denver Broncos, and Andrew Luck was to come in and salvage the program, was to come in, and the whole program was to be built around him as the captain of the team, and uh, he was amazingly successful in college and early on in his NFL career, but he had a very short NFL career. Let me explain. He was a four-time pro bowler. He was the Heisman Trophy winner, and he led the Colts back from the largest deficit ever in a playoff game. But the game took its toll 
while playing in the NFL, he lacerated a kidney and blew out an arm. And some of you are thinking, that's why football is stupid. I know. <laughs> I disagree, but I know I, I get your perspective. He, he had injury after injury, and it started to take its toll. And what happened as he continued to get hurt, it wasn't very long before he was stuck in this endless cycle, this endless loop, if you will, of injury, rehab, heal, repeat. Injury, rehab, heal, repeat. And it kept going on. And then he hurt his ankle and his calf at the same time again. Injury, rehab, heal, repeat. And about a month ago, many of you saw this, all of this pain, all of this endless cycle of injury, rehab, heal, repeat, caused Andrew Luck to retire from the National Football League at the age of 29 years old while leaving, get ready for this, while leaving approximately, and I should say conservatively, $50 million on the table. He said, I'm done. He said, the injuries and this process has caused me to lose my love for the game. He started out as a little kid with this unbelievable love and passion for the sport of football. But once he got into it and experienced this pain, this injury, this rehab, this, this heal back, I'll do it again. He said, I've lost my passion. I've lost my love for the game of football. And, and I got to tell you, when, when I first heard, I, I remember right where I was when I saw it come on the television, and I got mad at him. I'm like, dude, you're supposed to be our franchise player. Suck it up. <laughs> and, th and then I listened to him a little bit more. And then I listened to the fans as they booed him one day because the story broke. He had a press conference on Monday. The story broke. It got leaked. The story broke, and the fans started seeing it on their telephone, on their telephone, on their, on their phones, and, and they started booing him right in the midst of the stadium. And then my heart started to break for him, and then I thought, oh, so that happens in football too because it happens in the faith as well. I don't know if you have ever really thought much about this, but as I start to talk here for a moment, I think some of you will say, this is me, this is me. You see, the truth is most relationships that we are in, you can take it to the bank, any relationship you're in, be it a spouse relationship, a parent relationship, friendships, whatever the case may be, humanity has this unbelievable tendency to drift in our relationships. And we drift away from doing the things that we know calls us to have a love for our relationships. We drift towards complacency. And if we're not careful, come on, spouses, tell me this is not true. If we're not careful, we will actually lose our, our passion for our spouse. We'll lose, we can lose passion for our kids, Lord forbid, right? There are times when we just want to take them out, right? <laughs> I know, I know. Humanity has this tendency, so, so this Andrew Luck phenomenon that we just watched unfold before our very eyes on national television, yes, it happens in sports, but listen to me, it happens in the faith, where if we are not careful, the, the, the passionate relationship that we used to have for the Lord, the way in, we, we, way in which we used to spend so many hours in God's word, 
the way in which we used to, the way in which we used to be passionate for his church. Remember, it is his bride. You can't love God and hate his bride. Remember when, when we, it was so fresh and intentional, but what just happens over time is we drift and we start to drift away from what the Bible says. In fact, the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation says, is our first love. Read it with me. It's from Revelation chapter two, four and five. Revelation chapter two, four and five. Go, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. What the word of the Lord is saying is if, if you're not careful, you'll drift and you'll, you'll actually turn away from your first love. And as you drift and you turn away from your first love, here's what happens. The light of God, the light of the world. Remember the Bible says Jesus is the light of the world. Light will start to be removed from our lives. And we can get in a pretty dark place pretty quickly. If you're a note taker, grab your teaching notes, grab that pen or go to our app online and write in a few notes with me here today. The first thing that's in front of you, I'm calling us back this semester of fall, is to return to our first love. Say that with me. Return to our first love. We have this uncanny ability to take a relationship that was once so good with God. Come on, do we not? And it just grow cold. It just grow, grows complacent. Maybe it's life. Maybe it's our own sinful nature. But it causes me to just want to ask you a few questions as we get into the fall. Because you know I've been calling us back to this thing called discipleship. It causes me to ask you just a few questions that I've been asking myself. Can I just ask you a few and let them hang in the air for just a moment? How is your relationship with the Lord? It's between you and God. So just, just grade it, if you will. Kids are back in school. Let's just use the kid grading system, right? Are you at an A plus in your relationship with the Lord? B, C, D, F? You feel like he's, he's near you throughout your days? Do you feel like God is near you? Do, do you feel like God is speaking to you? And you, you, you're really dialed into that, that still small voice, the, the work, the nudging of the Holy Spirit. Is he speaking to you in his word? Which the only way that can happen is you have to what? You have to get into his word. So it causes me to want to ask you that question. How's your time in God's word? Here's one. How's your prayer life? Are you praying do you feel like God is speaking back to you? Again, this is, this is between you and God. And, and listen, I'm surely not trying to beat you up. Don't, don't, don't get down. I'm in the same boat with you. I have to ask myself these same questions on a regular basis. Now is an incredible time to actually get back into the word, to get back into prayer, to realize that, that the faith is so much more than just a Sunday morning experience. The faith is a 24-7, 365 deal. It's where I, I give God my whole life, my heart, my mind, my soul, and my strength. It's time for us as a church to actually plant some roots deep into the soil of discipleship. 
to realize God, God wants to change us into the image of his son, Jesus. Here's, here's a question for you. And again, I ask myself this question all the time. Sometimes I'm encouraged by my answer. Sometimes I'm quite frustrated. But here's the question. Hey, am I more like Jesus today than I was last year? Am I more like Jesus today than I was last month? Is God transforming me into the image of his son, Jesus Christ? These are the kinds of questions. And last week, if you weren't here, I answered, some of you are like, what is that all about? We're, we're in a mini-series, just a two-part. It ends today. Again, Love My City starts next Sunday. We're in a little mini-series called what, church? Rooted. Special thanks to Keegan Norris and Ashton Taylor and Kathy Hunter, who helped build this, I just kind of said, hey, guys, I need a planter. And they built the mother of all planters. <laughs> but, but you know this. I mean, like, how many of you have a green thumb? Come on, you grow stuff. You're, you're good at growing stuff. Yeah, not very a green thumb kind of church. <laughs> how, how many of you, you touch anything and it dies? Come on, just, just confess it. Doesn't it feel good just to confess it? You know what I'm saying? But even if you're good or not good, you know, you know that, that, so much about growing anything, plants, trees, shrubbery, grass, right? It's, it's, it's all about the root system. It's all about what's underneath the surface instead of what is above the surface. And so I wanna, want you to repeat after me. Say strong roots, good fruits. Again, strong roots, good fruits. There's this whole idea in the Bible that we, as we plant our roots and we grow in God, we start to develop in our lives the fruit of the Spirit. And you might say, well, what's the fruit of the Spirit? Open up your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse 13. If you love the word of the Lord, say amen. amen. Galatians 5, 13. Here we go. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be, help me out, church, called to be what? But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Hello. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Come on. Do you see that going on in our world today? This is, this is what everybody seems to be doing these days. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 17. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in, come on, conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, time out. If you were here last week, I gave an illustration that obviously called a lot of traction with uh, so many of you. I've had so many people comment to me this past week on this illustration. Remember, I talked about imagining that you have two dogs. Remember? You got a good dog and a bad dog. They both belong to you, but you know one's a good dog and one's a bad dog, and they fight all the time. What I said last week is if you feed the bad dog, what's going to inevitably happen? The bad dog will end up destroying the good dog. The good dog will inevitably grow weak and ultimately die. If, on the other hand, you feed the good dog and you starve the bad dog. Oh, by the way, side note, I even had some people give me a hard time about dog fighting. 
church. It's an illustration. I'm not a dog fighter. I know I grew up in South Carolina, but I'm not a dog fighter. Good Lord, give me a break. Where was I? Oh, you feed, you feed the, the, the good dog and the bad dog is inevitably going to grow weak and die. It, it's, it's an illustration. So we have these two sides inside of us. We have the good side, the spirit that's imputed, embedded into us the moment we receive Christ. But then we still have this carnal, sinful nature going on inside of us. So the question becomes, which side are you going to listen to? And, and again, I used this dog illustration. And then I did what I typically do whenever I talk about animals. I had a few little sideways comments about kitty cats. And I went negative on kitty cats, as I always do. And I heard from the kitty cat lovers in the church. <laughs> and then this week, I'm doing sermon prep, and I'm online, and I'm kind of doing some research. And all of a sudden, I stumbled upon this video. And it made me pause for just a moment and feel bad about all my comments over all these years about kitty cats. How many cat lovers do we have in the house? Come on, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many, how, many, how, how many dog lovers do we have in the house, dog lovers? My people. Pray for me. I, I, I am, I'm about to get a dog, and my wife is not having it, Bo. My wife is basically saying, yeah, you can go out there and live in the dog house. Um, I'm, gonna, I, I'm really close, really close to getting a uh, black lab. And um, I grew up with a black lab, and, but she is, just, seriously, pray for us, because this might cause some serious problem in our marriage, man. And anyway, where was I? So I stumbled upon this video, and it caused me for just a moment to realize that I, I have to come back in here and tell you I'm sorry. I confess that there might be a few good cats on the planet, planet Earth. And you might wonder where this, where this uh, affinity for cats comes from. I grew up with a calico cat as a kid. And then my wife and I, we, we were having bagels one Saturday morning right after we got married. I mean, no kids. We were footloose and fancy free. No kids. If you're in that stage right now, listen to me. Enjoy it. <laughs> Enjoy. We're sitting there. We're having bagels and coffee. And uh, I'm just kind of hanging out eating my bagel with my honey nut, uh, walnut, cream cheese. And my wife is reading the newspaper. Y'all remember what those were? Young people, newspaper. It's this thing that you open up. It's a big piece of paper. And um, anyway, she's reading the newspaper, and all of a sudden, she goes, I heard it. I didn't even see her face. She was behind the paper, and she went, oh. Yeah, done right there. So she dropped the paper, and she showed me this picture of this cat that had been abandoned and was down at the local pet shelter, animal shelter. And I said, Amy, I grew up with cats. I don't like them. She goes, oh, within an hour, we were down there picking up the cat. <laughs> For the first two years of our marriage, the cat peed all over our apartment, all over our apartment. Had a litter box and all. She would not use the litter box. But anyway, I saw this video this week, and I thought, you know, I need to apologize to the cat lovers. And I thought I would show you the video because this is, this is moving. This is, this is touching. Look at this cat with a bird. Look, she's petting it. Oh, oh. Now watch this. She's gonna lean forward to kiss it. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Okay. Now, 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 now. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come into my study with me. I'm at the house in my study where I do sermon prep. I'm watching this bad boy, and I'm going, oh, maybe I'm wrong, Lord. And then I realized down at the bottom that 
The joke was on me. The person who put this video online said, basically, I got you. We played this in reverse. Here is the video in real motion. Watch this. Bam, 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 bam. So I was right all along. Cats are evil. Just kidding. They're not evil. You do know, don't you, though, back in, back in the ancient times, some of you have heard me say this before, that in Persia, cats were worshipped. They were, true story, they were worshipped. And the problem is they've just never forgotten about it. <laughs> and they want the world to revolve around them. Kind of like us, right? The Bible says don't live into the sinful nature, the sinful desires, but go back to the text. Look at, look at what it says here in Galatians again, starting in verse 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. Has he covered you yet? Just wondering. Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is, come on, say it out loud with me, church, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, here it is, very important, have crucified the flesh. They've starved the bad side. They've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Which side are you feeding these days? Which, because it's a war inside your soul every single day and, and in your life. Who's winning the war? Is the spirit alive inside of you and is God alive inside of you? And do you feel like you're where you need to be in your relationship or, or is, the, is, is the flesh winning? Again, say it with me. Strong roots, good fruits. If you want to have the fruit of the Spirit in your life, you've got to plant some roots in your life. And what we've been talking about, and again, after, after today, I'm, I'm done with this because we're going to move right on to love my city. But what we've been talking about today is a series called Rooted. Rooted. It is the best discipleship journey material that I have found out there to date. You might say, well, what's Rooted about? Here, here are the topics. I'm just kind of laying out the table of contents for you. You start out tomorrow, it starts tomorrow for all of you in it, and it's a lot of you. What is rooted? Secondly, who is God? Now, we can easily sing about God and talk about God, but do you really have a good, clear vision of who God is? I've often put it like this before. In the beginning, God created mankind in his image. Can I get an amen? amen. But ever since then, we've been trying to create God in our own image. Come on now. 
Who is God? Week two, we go after that. How does God speak to us? That's week three. Oh, my Lord, week four is a big one. Many of you struggle with this question. Where is God in the midst of suffering? Week five, there is an enemy. Then we spend two weeks on how can I make the most of my life? How does God view money? Why and how should I tell others? And why is the church important? Now listen to me closely. I almost pulled the plug on this message today because you guys have responded so amazingly well over the last two weeks. We only have a few spots left in Rooted at all of our campus locations. We only have a few. If you want to get involved in Rooted, I would just tell you, when I say a few, I literally mean it. The last I heard, it was like less than 15 at this campus, and then Durham, I mean, then Garner, then Sanford, they're limited as well. Wake Forest, is they've exceeded their number. Other campuses have exceeded. If you want to get involved, you can do it while I'm talking today. You just text Get Rooted to 59769. You can pull out your phone, just text it. If we are full you, and you register, you will be transferred to January. We do this every semester. So rooted, and you might think, well, that's a long time away. It might feel like it, but beloved, it's only three and a half months away, and January will be here before we know it. So just go ahead and get involved, and we will go get this either this semester or next semester. The reason it is important to plant yourself and dig some roots down into the soil of God's word and in discipleship is number two. It will help us as a church establish Solid, biblically faithful theology. Solid, biblically faithful theology. Now I'm going to say something now that if I'm not careful, some of you will mishear me. Please don't mishear me. And those of you who know me, you know my heart. This doesn't come from a mean-spirited place. But there is some really bad theology out there. Like some bad theology. And one of the key things I think that is so important for the church is that we all get on the same page. We get unified and we get aligned in our understanding of theology. I can think of very few things more important for the future of our church than for us to be established, rooted, if you will, in some solid, biblically faithful theology. Look at what the word says in 2 Timothy. Oh man, this is so good. 2 Timothy Verses one through five, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. I love it when you folks tell me that sometimes. It's like, pastor, we don't care. Step on our toes if you won't. Preach the word. Say it with me. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Now here comes the prophetic warning. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers, listen, to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the what, church? Away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you... Look at your neighbor and say, but you, but you, 
but you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Listen, theology matters. What we believe matters. And again, there's a lot of bad theology. And I'm not judging churches. I'm not judging. There's a lot of bad theologies out there. Heck, let's put the shoe on our own foot. Can I just confess for a moment? Again, hopefully you know my heart. There's some bad theologies up in this church. I hear it. There's some bad theologies. And it's not, it's, it's not that, that, that's, that's not that I'm saying you're bad or anything. But we're a 17-year-old church. I talked about this last week. We're just a teenager. Have you ever raised a teenager? You get around a teenager, have you ever figured out most of them think they know way more than they know? Have you discovered this? We're just 17 years old. On top of that, on top of that, we've seen thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people who've come to this church, like myself, who didn't grow up in the church, and therefore they were never taught good theology. Throw on top of that, we're a church where, where everybody comes from all kinds of different denominations. Like, come on, come on. How many, how, many of you, how many of you grew up in the Baptist church? Glory to God. Oh, my Lord. Recovering Baptists right up in the house, right here. How many, I said this phrase last week. How many of you, like, you, you, you start your underwear and you come from the stiff, stoic Presbyterian church? Come on, come on. Presbyterians in that. How many of you, how many of you uh, grew up Pentecostal? Pentecostal. How many of you grew up charismatic? That they were shy about it. There was only about five of them, and they went. <laughs> How many of you grew up Baptocostal? <laughs> That's not a thing. I just made that up on the spot. <laughs> yeah. How many of you grew up Methodist? Methodist. There they are. See what I'm saying? We all come from different faith traditions. Though on top of that, we are a multi-ethnic church. We are completely racially diverse in this church. How many of you love that? But listen, listen, listen. Racial diversity is good. Age diversity is good. What is not good is theological diversity. Because of all of those reasons, God impressed upon my heart earlier in this year, man, it's time to shore up some theology. It's time to make sure we know what we believe. It's time to make sure we're grounded in the word of the Lord. I'm convinced that, that it's not that the scriptures are bad theology. No, 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 no. We have to become better readers of the scriptures. And in doing so, we then become unified. We, we become focused on the same understanding of who God is. It is incredibly important. Here's the third thing. Write it in. Experience community where I am needed and known. As we plant roots deep into the soil of God's word and discipleship, we'll actually see and have God create in us a community where every single person is needed and known. I'm gonna ask a question that has the potential to backfire on me. Do you feel needed here? Do you feel known here? If you don't, if it's our fault, I sincerely apologize. If it's your fault, though, 
take responsibility for it. And here's what you need to know. You will never, ever, ever feel needed and known in this church if all you do is Sunday morning. You hear me? Please hear my heart. I love you. And I want you to experience community here. And the only way you can feel needed and known, the only way you can have your needs fully met in this church is through life groups or this new thing called Rooted or the women's ministry that's starting this Thursday or the men's ministry that's going next Thursday. It's that you actually take this faith and you realize it is not just a Sunday thing where I check off the box, I go to church one time a week and that's all there is to it. Then you understand that God and his call upon your life to love him with everything you have is 24 7, 365, and that the picture of the church is not that we just come on Sunday, right, and everything is vertical. It's just me and God and I worship Him. That's important, that's key, that's critical, but that it's also horizontal, where I actually develop friendships and relationships with people, and I become a part of the family of God. I want to invite you out of the seats in this season to actually find the ministry that works for you, but quit doing Christianity in isolation. Quit going through hard times in isolation. I saw, I saw, I saw another video this week I'm going to show you. This, this one, this, one it, this moved me deeply. Um, this happened in the Bahamas. And you guys know that a few weeks ago, Dorian, Cat 5 hurricane, came upon the Bahamas and just hovered over it and, and just created horrific devastation. Well, one little grade school kid, his, his home was wrecked like so many others, but he was late because of this getting back to his class. And they actually videoed him being united, or should I say reunited with his classmates, Remember, the, the Bible says, unless you become like a child, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. This is one of the most beautiful pictures. And the moment I saw it, I thought, there it is. That's the picture of the church. Watch this. This was on a news station. The video has already been viewed thousands of times on social media. What you see are little kids at preschool embracing their classmate. What you might not know is what this little boy just endured. Was it nice when everybody hugged you? Yeah. Three-year-old Makai was visiting family with his mom in Freeport over the Labor Day weekend, only to get stuck thanks to Hurricane Dorian. They rode out the storm in Grandma's house. At one point, like, our door just flew open, and Makai was like, oh, my God, like, he thought that Dorian was a monster. That mom says Makai put on a brave face in the aftermath, in the middle of having to wring out his soaked clothes and throw out ruined toys. At one point, he put on this Spider-Man life vest because he wanted to help. And he put it on, and he was like, Mommy, I'm going to go. I'm going to save the children in the water. And so after coming back to Pembroke Pines, little did he know <laughs> he'd get his own superhero welcome. And as soon as he walks in the class, the whole entire class jumps up, and they're like, oh, my God, Makai, Makai, we missed you. We missed you. Those tiny classmates giving giant embraces and a big lesson in humanity. What did they say to you? They missed they you. you. Kids are really pure and they're really innocent. And I think that that's something that we are, as adults, that we have to really learn from, especially during times like this. I see some folks wiping tears. I know it's. 
It's a moving little deal. But I think it's more than just a moving little deal about a classroom of students. I think it's actually a snapshot of what the church should be like. Can, can you catch a vision of what it would be like to have those kinds of relationships as the body of Christ? Could you catch a glimpse of going through hard times and not going through those alone? You know what I know about so many of you? You're sitting here and you feel quite lonely. And by the way, this is not just folks in the pews, as it were. The pastors are the same way. Not in my script, but I'll go ahead and go there because I feel led to go there. I didn't do this last celebration. Another pastor of a significant church in America just took his own life this week. I respected this guy, knew this guy. This rugged isolationism, this, this rugged individualistic experience of Christianity is not Christianity at all. You were never meant to do it alone. The vision of the church is that we would be family, that we would be brothers and sisters in Christ, and that when hard times come, and by the way, they will come. If you're young and you're like, I haven't had any hard times. You don't know what you're talking about. I, I am smooth sailing. Hey, I love you, man. I'm so glad you're here. You don't know jack squat. <laughs> you will. One day, the bottom will fall out. I can promise you. Who will you turn to? And then a church our size, again, there's no way you'll have those needs met. There's no way you'll have those needs met in a church our size because there's no way one person or even the staff can care for thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Nor was it God's vision in the first place. The vision of the church is that God's people circle up and they do life together and they deeply love one another. You're like, where do you get that from? Open up to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, this is probably the last passage we'll look at today, and, and we'll just wrap up. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. This, by the way, is the birthplace passage of the very first church. This is the first church gathered in the upper room. Jesus Christ has been crucified, dead, buried, resurrected, that your sins could be forgiven. You could have your name in the Lamb's book of life forever. You can have eternity waiting on you when you die. But the abundant life is not just some pie in the sky when you die. Abundant life starts here and now. And the way it starts here and now is that we put away this rugged isolationism and we love people and we let people love us and we let people in. And in Acts chapter 2, watch, watch this, 42 through 48, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. That tells you right there, the, the, the taught word of God is paramount. The fellowship with God's people is paramount. Watch this. To the breaking of bread and prayer, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Don't miss verses 44 through 47. All the believers were together. And had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. 
Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Paul's right there. The temple courts was large church. Some of you have been there with me. The temple courts, are that, that's big church. They met in big church, but then watch this. Watch this. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Read that last verse with me. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Listen to me, church. There once, as hard as this is for us to imagine, there once was a community of people that were so impacted by the resurrection of Jesus Christ that they took their mask off and they really and truly loved one another. There once was a community of believers that got together in big church in the temple, but then got together and truly did life together in homes. And they so deeply cared for one another that they actually sold their possessions when someone had a need. And they actually shared their stuff with their friends. And there once was a community that was so enamored by the gospel of Jesus that they so radically turned outward and they so radically loved their cities. Again, that's where we're going next week. They so loved their cities that the world has never been the same since. And here's what I've been asking for 17 years. If you're new here, it might be the first time you hear me ask this. If God could do that, 2,000 years ago, why can't he do that today? I'm just crazy enough to believe that the same God who gave birth to a church like I just described can do it today. That's the vision of this church. In fact, the very first sermon series I started this church with 17 years ago was a sermon series titled, Do It Again, God. Do it again. And here we are, right on the edge of another academic year. Where I'm inviting you, I'm challenging you, I'm calling you to make your faith more than just a Sunday morning experience. Let this church be a place where you are needed and what? Known. Let this be a place where you truly get connected. You say, how? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm gonna end with this. Application. This is in your teaching notes, by the way. I, I, I'm so passionate about it, I put it in there so you don't even have to write it down today. Register for Rooted. Right there at the bottom of your teaching notes. Visit the website forward slash Rooted or text Get Rooted to 59769. There's a really good chance. The chances are high that you won't get into this semester. That's okay. If you register today, we will go ahead and register you for January and you will already be in. If you wanna get involved in something now though, life groups. Register for life groups. Newhopechurch.org forward slash life groups. Or take out your phone, text NH Life Groups to 59769. And then lastly, lastly, if you want to get involved in helping change the world, we used to call them volunteers. 
We don't call them volunteers anymore. How boring is that, volunteers? Those folks who serve this church, those pathfinders in the parking lot, they aren't just parking cars, they're world changers. The ushers and greeters who open up doors for you, serve coffee at any of our campuses or sweet tea in Garner, glory to God, they do have sweet tea. That's Garner, man. They're world changers. Those of you who roll up your sleeves and serve our children in Hopetown, changing our kids' diapers on Sundays to the glory of God, those are world changers. People up here on the stages at all of our campuses, life groups, leaders, hosts, administrators, hope missions, First kind across the board. They are world changers. Can we just honor and thank all of the world changers in this church? But hear me, hear me, hear me. What about you? If you want to get involved in serving, you want to be a world changer, we're going to kind of change it up today. The offering and the connect card's already been received. You just meet me down front. You just actually come down front or you meet your campus pastor down front at our campuses today. We're gonna, we're gonna look you in the eye. We're gonna talk to you how you can get involved. I'm just trying to say we love you. Don't want you to go it alone. Go it alone is no fun. Been there, done that, bought the shirt. Come on out. Get rooted. Get ready for the next season. You've heard it from me. I think it's always good for you to hear from others. You've seen these folks, but you haven't seen this version of the video. It's expanded. Here's a few more new hopers telling you what rooted has meant to them. So that hopefully and prayerfully, as, as of number one importance today, that you will register for rooted. Ten weeks of your life will change your life. Now or January, you just register. We'll take care of communicating with you. Check this out. Ten weeks ago, at the beginning of Rooted, I certainly was not as disciplined as I wanted to be as far as studying the Word. Prior to Rooted, I was trying to get involved more in the church. It was an awesome experience to be able to talk about those things with people that knew and supported me and really shared it on the level of this is how Christ worked in my life and this is how I made the next step. Rooted is about a relationship. It's about your personal relationship with God. And the more that you can understand your personal relationship with God and how that affects you on a daily basis, then it will give you more and more confidence to be able to go out and share your testimony with others. I'm constantly enthusiastic and amazed every single day that, that I read in the book. 2019 was certainly a turning point in my relationship with God based upon my experience with Rooted. I'm, I'm having trouble putting it in words. This was the most amazing experience. It allows me the opportunity to unashamedly share my testimony, and that's the confidence that I leave with Rooted, being able to share my story with others in a way that they can receive it. It will mean so much to you. There will be so much growth. There will be so much fellowship and camaraderie. I think Rooted will definitely be a transformational element of our church, which we can look back and talk about in many vision days to come.